Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello. Hello, ha. I I think we I think we're there. I think we're recording. Okay. Fab. Right. How how have you been? How's the campaigning been before we start? Um, I'm exhausted. The campaigning is exhausting. So we're running a very low budget campaign and that certainly adds to um the amount of work that I and my family have to do, but um, I think it's worth it, at least for the ideals that we believe in. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. Brexit means Brexit. My administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. I'm Royfield Brown, who is in that most beautiful of English cities, Birmingham. Now, uh, normally we look at things from both sides of the Atlantic, but every now and then we do a special one-off show. And today I'm joined by Nikki Arnold-Swindle, who won the Democratic primary for the Alabama House of Representatives for District 36 in June. So she will be running to be a state representative on Tuesday, November the 6th in 2018, which is what? Just some two weeks away. Over the last four years, Alabama has seen a governor, a chief justice, and a speaker of the House leave office due to scandal and unethical behavior. Folks, there is a culture of corruption in Montgomery that must be rooted out. The people are tired of it, and I'm tired of it. Our leaders cannot address the real issues facing everyday Alabamians when they're too busy lining their own pockets and trying to cheat the system. If elected, I not only promise to fight corruption, but I promise to lead by example and govern in the most engaged, transparent way possible. That's why I pledge to never take any money from corporate PACs. I will never vote to raise my salary as a legislator, and I promise to hold quarterly town hall meetings in the district in order to keep voters aware of what's happening in Montgomery. It's time our legislators work to represent the interests of the people and not big money and special interests. Uh, Nikki, hello and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Royfield. It's a pleasure to be here and to finally connect like this. We've tried and tried today, haven't we? But we finally got there. (laughs) 
we have. We've we've tried, and sometimes technology um, doesn't act the way that we want it to act, and sometimes it's other things like uh, our local local infrastructure mm-hmm. that contributes to that. So. Ever the politician, you're making making a very good and strong link between our, our problems trying to connect today and uh, campaigning. But uh, Nikki, please tell me why somebody who's a, a life minister at the first Christian church in Anniston decided to run to be a state representative in Alabama? There's a couple of things to that, Royce. Well, number one is uh, I guess I've always had an interest in politics because I know that no matter what I do through my volunteer work or my ministry, um, ultimately the policies that are made in Montgomery and Washington, and, and in this case I'm, I'm running for a seat in the legislature in Montgomery, affect the people who I do ministry with here locally. Mm-hmm. And they also can, they really have the most control over people's lives. And so if I wanted to be able to have a positive effect on people's lives, then the way to do that was to be through um, getting elected to the legislature. Secondly, though, is that because I've been involved, I um, I feel that we should have choices on our ballot. And I, although I, I voted for my opponent, who is the incumbent, 16 years ago, uh, there have been at least two times that he's run that he hasn't had any uh, one run against him, so no opposition. And that's not because he's doing such an outstanding job. It's just because it's difficult to recruit people to run and and people get entrenched with power. So I felt like uh, to not run and I couldn't recruit anyone else to run would be to be complicit with what he's doing and say, I think this is okay. And I also think that it's okay that we don't have a choice on our ballot. So the fact that the Democratic Party hasn't necessarily always put up an opponent to the Republicans in Alabama. Is that a real indictment of the state um, of the Democratic Party in the South uh, previous to 2018, would you say? So really until about 2008, when President Obama ran Mm -hmm. um, for office, the Democratic Party actually controlled the legislature and um, a lot of the seats in Alabama. There was more of a balance of power than there is now because the Republicans have a supermajority. But the Democratic Party was really in control, and that's because there were a lot of uh, Dixiecrats still in office from, from the old Democratic Party from before it really started changing and becoming a more inclusive party. Uh, because I, I think that a lot of people still realize that overall, uh, the Democratic Party had the interest of working class people more in mind and, and in their policies. Now, in 2008, we started to see a change. And in 2010, there was a Republican takeover of most of the seats in Alabama. What we have seen is that it's almost uh, being uh, a Democrat or being affiliated with the Democratic Party or being anything other than a conservative Republican has almost become demonized here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that they feel you you can't be Christian and be uh, a Democrat. You can't be um, anything other than something that's really bad and scary and hides out under their beds and in their closets. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's been difficult. It's been challenging. There are certainly Democrats and more progressive people out there. I uh, am running on the Democratic Party. I've been involved with the Democratic Party since 1997, but I consider myself an independent voter because I've always voted for the best candidate for the job. 
it just happens that more likely than not, and more often than not, it, it, it has been a Democrat. So I want to look, try and find out the reasons why there's been this resurgence um, in uh, people standing for the Democratic Party, definitely down south. Now, with the whole kind of farrago around uh, Judge Roy Moore and Doug Jones, has that had some part to do with it? Or is this uh, an anti-Trump phenomena that people maybe like you, are just saying enough's enough and they need to get involved in politics. And one way to oppose uh, what's happening in Washington is to stand locally. I think that there it's a multifaceted answer, Royfield. I think that we have people who are running certainly because they don't support our current administration and they don't support the the rhetoric and all the divisiveness that's going on in society. For me, I don't support the divisiveness for sure. Uh, and then you have people who were energized by Senator Jones' win and feel that that means that, that, that there's an opportunity that they haven't seen there since before 2010. Uh, like I said, for me, it's really about believing, first and foremost, uh, I believe that, that we need to have choices on our ballot, that if we're going to proclaim these ideals of America and of being uh, this free nation and and this society that promotes liberty and justice and all these ideals, then we have to have choices because if we don't have choices, then it's no better than going somewhere else where there's one choice on the ballot. So uh, that that's part of it for me. And then the other part of it is that uh, as a minister, I really feel called to a ministry of reconciliation. And so that means that I'm not just trying to seek democratic votes. I'm trying to seek votes across the aisle um, Democrats, Republicans, independents, third-party voters, because I feel that we all have more in common than we have different. And at the end of the day, we need to be having dialogue and we need to elevate that dialogue. And we're not going to agree on everything. Isn't it interesting to talk about kind of representation? Now, only 11% of state legislators at the moment are female. Do you feel very much part of this blue wave, this female blue wave that seems to be um, sweeping? In these terms of democratic primaries, so many women ran, didn't they, and actually won their primary. So do, do you feel part of something or is this purely coincidental or you just really just focus on Alabama and the 36th district? Well, it's it's interesting because I've been involved in politics and in in trying to get good people to run for office and in being interested in possibly running for something myself for about uh, 21 years now. So, um, so I've been in it for a long time. So it was really interesting for me to see this this increasing interest from a lot of women, especially a lot of Democratic women. Um, when there are those of us who have been involved in a long time. So part of me feels like, yes, it's great to be a part of, of all the females who are getting interested in, in the political process. And we do need more representation because I believe that our elected officials should be representative of the population. And so if you have just a bunch of older white men, then that is not representative of the population when you have 52% of the population who's female and Obviously, there's also a disproportionate number of representatives of color, but I've always been interested in it. So th there's the other part of me who's kind of like, I've kind of always been here, and where have you all been? I'm glad you're getting interested. I want you to get interested, but please stay interested and don't let it just be this, I'm, I'm interested right now because I feel like there's this wave and this movement, but I'm not going to be interested in two or four years. So I hope that they stay interested.
Uh, me too. Let's let's hope that they do. Now, obviously, as I kind of said before, um, the whole nation of America was definitely focused on Alabama last year. And you had uh, Roy Moore, who... For, for many Americans, definitely outside of this, outside of the South anyway, it was just like a totally anachronism. You know, how could this man yeah. with, with such views and with such a history be running for office and actually have a very good chance of actually obtaining office? But obviously, right. uh, Doug Jones uh, defeated him uh, by a whisker. Um, how are the local polls looking for it, looking for you in your district and for the Democrats statewide? Well, first off, I would have no clue what the polls look like because I have no money to run polls. I've, I've so far spent less than $5,000 on this entire campaign. 3000 has been our own money, and we live on my husband's pension, really, because because I, I really don't make much money. Nikki, uh, let, 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 Nikki let me stop you. We're going to put a nice big link on this podcast to your campaign site uh, saying donate. Okay. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get you a few more dollars. But as you were, madam, as you were. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's certainly helpful. Part of what I've been trying to prove, though, is is that you don't have to have as much money in politics as there is in politics, and that we can win just by just by having good candidates run and having them go out and meet as many people as possible and be accessible. But uh, I do know that my opponent has been polling. It's been more push polls because we've had people tell us that they've gotten phone calls and uh, that for some reason, they're always linking things like ab- abortion and immigration and other national issues to this push poll for the state legislative race, which is very interesting to me. Um, but uh, I, I don't guess I really pay a whole lot of attention to that anyway, or what the polls say, because a lot of people are judging what's going to happen in this race based on what happened in the Doug Johnson more and more race. And I don't think that that's necessarily indicative. Now, we did have a large number, especially women of color, show up to vote. And if the women of color show up to vote the the way they did last December, then there's a much better chance for those of us who are running on the Democratic ticket. But what I really hope is that at the end of the day, that we can get people to look past the party and past the letter that's on uh, the ballot after our last names and that we can get them to actually vote for the person, that we can get them to go to our websites, like mine is votenikki.com, that we can get them to go there and we can get them to see uh, more information about us. I've made myself accessible. I've had several uh, town halls, and I've actually shown up for uh, some forums that are put on by other organizations. My opponent uh, has not shown up for the the ones that were held in person. He did show up for the one that was uh, videoed. So... um, I feel like they're pretty complacent at this point and feel like they don't have to reach out to the voters. They don't show up for town halls when they're in office and they don't even show up for town halls when they're trying to run. All right. So you are running. You are this amalgam of all things which are good in, in the Democratic Party at the moment. Um, you're you're a veteran. You're a woman. You're a minister. So you sound perfect, but give us a, a sense of your district. <laughs> well, dare I say it, you know, one of the things with the, what the Democratic Party has tried to do is to put the right person in the right district uh, for these midterms, isn't right. it? Right. And if you're going to run in the Deep South, which is where you are, and you're going to run on a Democratic ticket, no one can knock your bony Fridays if you are a veteran and you are a minister. 
So um, that, that, that's that's two that's two things absolutely done and done and crossed off. Um, but give us a sense, give us a sense uh, for our listeners in the UK, which is where I'm at the moment, but then also in other bits of America. Describe your district because I looked at it on the map and it's a peculiarly shaped district. You've got Pell City, yes, Lincoln, Zach's, Weaver, Aniston. Um, give us a sense of who your constituents would be and a real sense of where you want to represent. Right. So um, first off, I just want to say that if if we do want to take back the White House in 2020, we need to run a female veteran. That's my opinion. I believe if that would win, there would be no argument and they would win hands down. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as our district goes, (laughs) we have, uh, it's predominantly a conservative district. It's predominantly a, a Caucasian district. There are, are a lot of working class folks in this district. We have a lot of people here who are living paycheck to paycheck and barely making ends meet, and they tend to vote in ways that are against their own interests. And it really usually comes down to two things, to their interpretation of the Bible and their Christian faith, and to their views on abortion. And that's usually what it comes down to are are those two things. And even though nothing can really be done about abortion at the state level, it's decided at the Supreme Court level and and it has been decided case law since the 1970s. um, That is still one of the things that that rules uh, votes here in this district. Now, one of the things that I do feel that I have going for me also is that I am. Nikki, I I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to let me. I'm just going to just just quickly stop you there, because um, this whole idea of people voting against their economic interests is something which absolutely people on the left have been saying um, for quite some time. But it seems that there's even even more of a clamour that this is what people are actually doing. But do you think that those self same people say, but actually, I'm voting for my identity issues that i.e they see themselves as christian and white as opposed to let's say working class right well they they probably do see themselves as christian first so a lot of the actions of how people have have been acting lately aren't reflective of, of what i read when i read scriptures but um yeah, I think that that's probably true, but I think that the thing is, is they keep hurting themselves not only economically, but also physically, because we're, we're talking about uh, their physical and mental health and the health of their children and the jobs that their children will not have to work, where their children will either have to move out of the area or stay in this cycle of poverty uh, being affected. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. My name is Nikki Arnold-Swindle, and I'm running to represent the people of District 36 because I believe our legislature is broken. Our people are hurting. And it's time for a change in Montgomery. We need true representatives in the State House, ones that put the people's interests before big money and establishment politics. If elected, I pledge to fight for your freedoms, for equity, and for opportunity. I'll fight to improve our health care, support our schools, and protect our veterans. Most importantly, I'll be an engaged, transparent representative. I'll hold quarterly town halls in the district to keep voters aware of what's happening. And I'll fight against the culture of corruption and inaction that has kept our leaders from addressing the real issues facing everyday Alabamians. This November, help me usher in a brighter day for Alabama. Vote for me, Nikki Arnold Swindle, for state representative in District 36. So the Democrats have got to gain, what, some 20 seats just to um knock off the was it the supermajority so at the moment it's 72 seats for the republicans and 33 at the moment um are you kind of in contact with are you in a meaningful contact with let's say the, the the democratic state party in in alabama how is the ground game going at the moment would you say to attain that goal of at least trying to get um attain enough seats so that there isn't the supermajority. Right. Well, I I'm not really focused on the supermajority myself now. I I do believe that there needs to be a balance of power, but I have gotten support from the House minority leader, uh Representative Anthony Daniels. Mm-hmm. Uh he's been amazing and supportive and provided us with with training and information. Uh, I've gotten no financial support or other support from the state party and um and I mean, they say, go get them, win this, but that, that doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, so, uh, 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 Nikki, you know, whenever you I'm say, you know, you know, whenever you say that you have no financial support, you then you need the next nine needs to be vote Nikki dot com. Vote Nikki dot com. <laughs> yes, vote Nikki dot com. But it's just it's just really been interesting to me in that I've I've felt like there's just not a whole lot of support from the state party. Now I know that they have been told that they are, and I believe that they are. I've seen some evidence that they are providing support from a, uh, for the, all of the statewide candidates. Uh, so, so that's good that at least they're doing that. And I have gotten some, a little bit of support, uh, a little bit, it sounds bad, but I have gotten support from, from the local party as much as they can give. So, mm-hmm. Okay. So, you're a minister, you're a mother, you're a wife. Tell me exactly how exactly are you actually managing to go out and campaign? How are you breaking up your days? What's it like knocking on those doors? So my my boss in the National Guard, and I have to give my disclaimer that I'm not endorsed by the Department of Defense, the Department mm-hmm. of the Army or the Alabama Army National Guard, but my boss in the National Guard said to me the other day that I'm one of the most organized and and, and effective time managers that they had ever seen. So my 
calendar is very organized and very color-coded. I'm very busy. I'm honestly only sleeping three to four hours a day uh, because between the National Guard, between my duties at the church, and I'm also finishing my Master's in Divinity um, in California, so I commute to California for a day and a half to two days every week. I stay pretty busy. I have six children, but only three are still at home. Three are grown. Guess I I don't get a whole lot of personal time right now, but I, I feel like things happen in life for for a season or a reason, and and this is both. And it's not going to be forever that it's going to be as busy as it is. But this is so important that I had to invest as much as of myself in it as I could. So, typical day for me is uh, wake up uh, around five thirty and start to work on homework and do homework for a few hours and then maybe start making calls or, or start with meetings. And um, so I have different meetings for the campaigns. I've had town halls. I help run a grief support group at the church a couple of times a month. I um, go out and meet people and do different ministry work and pastoral counseling. I do stuff related to my National Guard duties as a chaplain candidate. Um, and I also have to respond to all of my own Facebook postings and everything like that. I mean, I, I do all that myself. I, I built my own website. Look, I'm going to do it, votenicky.com. Uh, and and I pretty much uh, have done a lot of that myself. I, I've had some support from uh, a wonderful volunteer and my volunteer campaign manager, Matt Tyson, who has helped out as much as he can, but he's also incredibly busy. So um, it's just really busy uh, because we have more Democrats running this year than we've had in a long time. There aren't enough volunteers to go around, and uh, the Republicans have a lot of staff and not volunteers, so that makes a difference. So. Hopefully, though, there is an enthusiasm gap that uh, those <laughs> nascent Democratic voters will be enthused enough about national politics, seen through the prism of local politics, actually, to get out and vote. And you obviously you mentioned uh, the African-American uh, women who kind of came out in droves to get Doug Jones elected in the senatorial race uh, last year. But let's kind of focus on local issues, because ultimately that's what you're running for. You're, local, you're running to be a, a local uh, state congressperson. So what are the local issues uh, which are firing up the good citizens in the 36th district? Well, the things that are most important we're seeing, Royfield, pretty much consistent throughout the state are uh, health care, access to health care, um, and the mm-hmm. need to expand Medicaid so that it's accessible to more people. We don't have the kind of health care system y'all have in the U.K. Um, many people here go into financial ruin if they get sick, and, and so we need to expand that to where at least people have access to some kind of health insurance so that they're, they're not completely ruined. Let's just do these points one at a time, specifically for our okay. U- UK audience, because okay. we just don't get the fact that anybody would say that nationalised healthcare is socialist and that it's right. an- anti-anything. It's just common good sense. So when you go out and you're on the doorstep and you say, I believe in 
health coverage for all or however you want to dress it up. What exactly is the response you get from, let's say, a working class Republican voter who you know, you absolutely know, uh, probably doesn't have enough health care coverage? And actually, this would be something which could massively transform uh, their lives, let alone if they were ill. What exactly is their response and how do you respond to somebody who says, no, I don't like the sound of that? That sounds like socialist medicine to me. We have to do things incrementally here. And so we're not even seeking um, Medicare for all or health care for all right now. We're just seeking this expanded coverage between the poorest of the poor people and people who are um, and people who have health insurance for their jobs where maybe they only pay five hundred to a thousand dollars a month, which sounds ridiculous to me, mm-hmm. but still that that's what they pay. But we're talking about the people who are falling in between the cracks, who are in between those who have no health coverage because they're working sometimes two or three jobs, which I've been there before, and they make too much to qualify for Medicaid because they make more than below the poverty level. And they make too little or they don't have a job that will allow them to work full time and get coverage for their job. And then there are issues with the state of Alabama actually paying uh, for Medicaid. So can you just go run us through some of those issues before then we talk on, go on to some of the other local issues? Right. So and, and just to just to add that, even though for the most part, still, people still believe that expanding Medicaid is going to be ridiculous and cost the state a lot of money. And, mm-hmm. and it's really not. If you look at the numbers, there's a little bit of an investment up front, but the federal government is going to be subsidizing it tremendously and it's actually going to to make us money uh in in a very short period of time actually uh that we we are starting to have some some on the republican side who are coming around and saying yeah we need to expand medicaid and we should have done that before so uh as far as the state goes uh i'm not the best person to quote every single number but what i can tell you is that I've heard that we have lost in the state by not extending Medicaid already somewhere between three and four billion dollars in the money that we would have gotten for the, from the federal government and the income that would have been generated by expanding it and not having our hospitals closed and making sure that there was access to care for these people who would be covered. So it's not only the to me, the right thing to do from from my perspective as a Christian and and I respect that not everybody is a Christian, that's fine, but it's also the humanitarian right thing to do. It's also the physically responsible thing to do is to expand Medicaid. Because when we don't expand Medicaid and make sure that people have access to primary and preventative care, then here in the United States, where we don't have health care for all, they go and they wait until they get so sick that they have to seek tertiary care. And then when they can't pay their medical bills from that emergency room care, it's the taxpayers who have to pay it when the hospitals write it off. So it costs all of us so much more money by doing it the way we're doing it. Um, but obviously there's some financial gain in it somewhere for someone, and that's why it's been going on the way it is. Mm, for the big health insurance companies, no doubt. Um Now, there is an issue in Alabama um, to do with public schools and the fact that the the state legislature has given $150 million from their budget to private schools. What the heck is all that about? Well, first off, that was started by our local state senator, Senator Del Marsh, and my dear friend, um, 
Jim Williams, who is a 30-year Navy veteran, is running against him, so we need to elect Jim. Mm -hmm. Uh, But second off, uh, really what that was supposed to be about, what it was sold as, was this idea that children who live in uh, who live in areas that that are served by failing public schools would have the opportunity to go to private schools and, and get some help from the government in order to do that so that they could get a better education. The reality of it is is that it's taking money out of those already failing public schools and making it worse for the students who are attending there. And the, the primary benefactors of this have been children who are already attending private schools. Now, I believe strongly in a family's right to choose whether their children go to private schools or if they're homeschooled or however their parents feel are best for them. My children actually attend a private Christian school right now. They have attended public schools in the past, and I'm a graduate of public schools. But I don't believe that my money ought to be taken out of the public schools because we all benefit from having a society that's well-educated. And I think that uh, there, there should always be... Uh, public education and that we need to fully invest in public education at all levels. That benefits us all. And if we did invest in public education at all levels, then maybe so many of these people wouldn't be pulling their children out. However, we saw in Alabama that a lot of children were pulled out of public schools and put into private schools just because uh, schools were having to integrate and parents didn't want their children going to school with children of color. My children happened to be um, multiracial, multi-ethnic, and they attend a very small private Christian school that is also multiracial and bilingual. So um, it's it's just best for us right now because of the flexibility of that schedule. So we can homeschool them at any time and travel as we wish and, and things like that. But we still need to invest in our public schools. That doesn't mean my money that I pay in taxes should stop going to the local public schools. It shouldn't. It, it should be going to the public schools. So um, we've dealt with health and education. Are there any other kind of like burning lo- local issues that um, you know you are absolutely campaigning on and knocking off people's front doors uh, to tell them that they need uh, to get behind you because of this specific issue? Right, jobs. Absolutely, we need jobs, but we don't just need any jobs. So when I grew up here, we had a military base that was very big and very active and. A lot of families, including my family, worked at the military base, and, and that was a good civil service job that had good benefits and decent pay, and it was it was reliable. So, And there was some job security because there was the um, American Federation of Government Employees Union out there representing the workers. Uh, that closed in 1999 officially, and our area has just been in an economic downspin ever since. And so... We need good quality jobs with benefits that pay well enough that people don't have to work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. Um, I personally have uh, at times worked as a substitute teacher three days a week for $31.22 a day after taxes and then waited tables at night so that I could put myself through college. Uh, we we need people to not have to, and I also had to go into debt with student loans in order to just be able to do that. We need people to not have to go into debt or not have to work two or three jobs, 100 hours a week, just to make ends meet because our families will all benefit and everyone will be better if if we can invest in that. So what I would like to see is us to have more sustainable green energy jobs, things that focus on our environment. You know, I would like to see um, jobs in recycling. 
um, jobs in green energy, jobs that pay well enough for people to survive and to make it and to be able to take care of their families and that also have the benefits that they need to do that. Do you think, though, when you say to your, to your uh, prospective constituents that you, you want to look at green jobs, that they just go, no, we want some good old-fashioned muscle jobs, blue-collar jobs. Um, this doesn't sound like uh, this doesn't sound like Alabama. This doesn't sound like the South. This doesn't sound like what I know. Well, we can certainly have a combination because we need all of our trades and skilled workers, you know, to be trained in the jobs that that we need to make our society go. Not everything's going to be a green energy job. That just happens to be where my focus is. I do have to explain a lot of the times to them that, that we need a combination of different things, but if we're going to attract new business to the area, that we really need to focus on this because, and from my perspective and from what I explained to the majority of our area, our are Christians or proclaimed to be Christians, I explained to them that this is part of our responsibility of creation care, that we have to take care of our environment and the world that was given to us. Now, just before we wrap up, when I was kind of doing my research on your district and Alabama and Alabama, Alabama what is the denom de- de- for somebody who comes from Alabama? Alabanian? Uh, what, I, I don't know. <laughs> what is it? Alabamians. Okay. Um, some people just say Alabamans, but okay. that sounds weird to me. So I've always said Alabamians. Okay. So if I'm looking at Alabamian politics, um, <laughs> obviously there has been lots of talk of voter suppression um, in Georgia. The Democratic Party has been going to court about uh, gerrymandering and, you know, physically how uh, districts are actually drawn. Um, there was an unconstitutional gerrymander in Alabama after 2012, and the the court ordered that state lawmakers must redraw the lines for the districts ahead of the 2018 elections. Um, obviously, these elections are, are happening, but is the Democratic Party happy with, with these state lines? Because I must admit, from a British perspective, looking at your your district, it looks very odd. Yes, if, if you've looked at my district, and you have, and if anyone looks at it, then they can see that it's probably the most gerrymandered district in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the Democratic Party happy? I, I really don't know, and I really don't care if the people who are in power and in charge of the Democratic Party are happy. It's not fair to the people. And so that's what we have to focus on. I know that I'm not happy with the way things are. I know that it's not right that I'm one block inside of the district, and my daughter, who lives 10 blocks away, is in a completely different district, where if the lines were drawn a little bit more straight, we would both be in the same district. So. Um, it, it absolutely makes no sense to me, but I can tell you that there are people in both sides who want to keep the lines as close to the way they are so that they can protect their seats. Because once people get in power, they seem to forget where they came from. I, I, I'd like to believe as a minister that, that most people generally start off thinking that they want to do the right thing and that they want to make things good. But I think the problem is they get removed from the area that they're representing whether it be in Montgomery or Washington, and they don't go home enough and listen to the voters in the district. And so there's this disconnect, and then they just get maybe obsessed with power. I'm not sure. But that's also part of the reason why I'm committing to be in the district and hold at least quarterly town halls in the district, because I think that I need to be accessible and accountable to the voters. 
And I think that that would be great if all elected officials did that. Nikki, are you seriously telling me that the bright lights of Montgomery aren't going to lure you into being enthralled to fat cat um, lobbyists and whatever, and you'll forget your uh, forget the, the people you represent? Surely Montgomery's an exciting, fast-paced town, and as soon as you're there, you'll forget your 36th district, won't you? Well, I, I visit Montgomery quite frequently, but anyone who's ever met me, Royfield, I've I've worked for multiple salaries and, and wages during my life. And I have made as much as almost $100,000 a year when uh, I was working a lot of overtime and had a good government job to a um, dollar a year is what I make at the church right now. And I do that because they can't afford to pay me, but the job still needs to be done. I make $400 a month before taxes. It comes out to be right around $215 a month after taxes and withholdings. Um, in my job in the National Guard. So somebody who makes as little as I do willingly just mm-hmm. to make sure that the job gets done is not going to be somebody who's going to go down to Montgomery and forget where they came from. That would be my argument. Let's say it's 2022. Um, you have represented the good people of the 36th District um, uh, really well. Um, what's the next step for you? Um, state senate or maybe congress what's next i feel like if i'm doing a a good job and making a difference where i am that i should continue to stay where i am for one more time now i happen to believe in term limits so um so i can't see myself running more than three terms anyway that would that would be the absolute most my husband says two but uh, he also feels that once I get down there, and, and I do know a lot of what goes on because I did a, a congressional internship when I was an undergraduate in, in 1999, but uh, he feels that I'll be disillusioned, um, that I, I'm going in there with these idealist views that really if we can just sit down and, and have conversation and dialogue with each other and if we can get the money out of the picture and people can just talk and care about people that we'll be able to do what's best for the people. And, and he believes that, um, that I'll be disillusioned. I know that not everybody sees things the way that I do, but I also know that anytime I've spent any significant time with people that more often than not, they just need to be heard. They need to know that people care about them and they need to know that they really can make a difference. And that, like I said, I believe in the good of people. Nikki Arnold Swindle, thank you for coming on to Mid Atlantic. We got there in the end of all of our travails. We're trying to get Chrome to upload, download, and whatever. Um, again, just before you go, tell everybody exactly what they need to do on November the 6th. And if they want to contribute to you, how exactly can they do that? Absolutely. So I hope that all people in the 36th district will vote for me, Nikki Arnold Swindle, on November the 6th. If you don't live in the 36th district, but you live anywhere in Alabama, um, then you probably still know someone who lives in the 36th district just because of the shape of it being so interesting. But even if you don't live in Alabama, you can share our Facebook post. Um, my page is www.facebook.com backslash Nikki, N-I-C-K-I, Arnold Swindle, A-R-N-O-O-D-S-W-I-N-D-L-E. And my uh, webpage is votenikki.com, B-O-T-E-N-I-C-K-I. And you can also go to CrowdPack to make a donation to me, CrowdPack backslash C backslash Nikki. Uh, but you can link to that through through my Facebook or my webpage as well. And so 
I just hope that more than anything, even if you cannot contribute to me, help us share our help us share our videos, help us share our posts, and and help us get information out there. Brilliant. You heard it here first. Uh, let's vote for Nikki Arnold Swindle if you are an inhabitant, a resident, shall I say, of the 36th district in Alabama. Let's let's hope that she contributes to the blue wave on November the 6th. Thank you so much, Boyfield. I hope that you have a wonderful day and I really appreciate your taking the time to do this with me. And I'm so glad that we got the opportunity to meet. Listen, me too. You people in the South are always so polite, aren't you? <laughs> I got in trouble when I came to England because I say sir and ma'am a lot. And <laughs> apparently, that's not something y'all do. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. We only say it for knights of the realm. Knighted, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. He, somebody calls you sir, it's very odd. You know, very odd indeed. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm always struck when, whenever I go to America and let alone the South, just how much more polite people are. And, and you Americans always think that us Brits are very formal. But no, we're in, incredibly informal. You're the guys who have all the formality going. Well, we're we're a military family and we live in the South. But when I went to the Tower of London and I think it was ninety one or ninety two to see the Crown Jewels, mm-hmm. uh, I remember saying "Sir" and they said, "I'm not a sir. I've not been knighted." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, got it." sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.